welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Gate Church. I tell you what, it's scary, isn't it? The older you get, time seems to fly. On the TV, just now, is a constant reminder that Christmas is coming. We've seen the, the TV Christmas adverts on. I think they've been on since probably July at some point. But they just, they just play and play and play, and they, they give a, um, they, they portray what a good and perfect Christmas should look like. You know, the big roast turkey, golden brown, the roast potatoes, the Brussels sprouts, if you're into Brussels, the big open fire, the big Christmas tree in the corner, perfect, the snow outside, the happy family huddling around the food-laden table, munching on mince pies and turkey. Well, it's the picture-perfect Christmas. And it's the world's edited view, perhaps, of what a good and perfect Christmas should look like. And of course, we, as human beings, can be influenced by what the world thinks is good and perfect. And our Facebook pages and our Instagram pages can reflect, really, what is good in our lives. Not really, if we're honest, what is going on behind the scenes. And I think similarly, we can adopt a similar behavior with God, either intentionally or unintentionally, whereby we just kind of show God the good bits, you know, the, the bits that we think that God might want to see and not really what's going on behind the scenes. So today's message, church, is about changing mindsets. So we're going to have the first slide, please. We're going to jump right into the Word. And I'll read from two, uh, I'm going to read from Romans 12, 1 to 2, but two translations. Ian, I'm so sorry, it will be the message. You can hold those tomatoes a bit longer. So let me read this for you guys. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then the message version has a slightly different take on it. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Fix your attention on God. Paul sees in this verse here that we need to have a renewed mind to change from the inside out, not conforming to the values and trends that the world thinks is good. And it's interesting, the word renewing here in the original text means to renovate. And renovate by its definition is not merely a facelift or a change to the facade or a slight tweak to what's there already. It means a complete an utter change. It means to have a completely new mind and not have a little tweak of what's there already. And I love how the message breaks this down into the mundane elements of life, sleeping, eating, working, just, just living really. But the spirit of the verse is that God is not just for Christmas Eve services or Sunday mornings or just for the sun bits of our lives. But rather, God wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. He wants our whole life laid before him. He wants the good. He wants the bad. And he wants the ugly. I wasn't pointing to you because you're ugly, by the way. Just, just. 
And the good is easy. The good is the good times in life, the, the things that we might show on Facebook when we feel blessed, we feel everything is going well, that our worship can be easy. And so the good things are an easy part of our life. And we might praise him when he says yes to our plans. But do we trust him when he says no to our plans? And the bad time might be that time when God has said no to our plans, that we feel that we're in that valley, that we feel that, why am I here, God? What is happening? Why are these bad things happening to me just now? And the ugly parts of life are the sin issues, the things that we are struggling with, the, as a, the, the things of, of, um, that we can't quite manage to shake off, that we're struggling with. It's the doubts. It's the memories of past fails and past traumas that still haunts our mind. But God wants it all. He wants the bad and ugly laid before him. As a loving father, he just wants the best for us. As it says in John 10, 10, he says he wants us to have life and life to the full. Not just a partial, but full. That we need to have a changed mindset. To change our everyday behavior. Change our default mindset to lay everything before God. And not to hold back the things that we think are bad and ugly but change our mindset. And that can be a really difficult thing to do. It can be a, a, a challenge for us to change our mindset, but it is also very powerful. The famous scientist Albert Einstein said, we are all a thought away from change. The guy that founded the Ford Motor Car Company, Henry Ford, said, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. In other words, change is necessary if we want a different outcome in life. And it can be difficult to admit to ourselves, even harder to admit to God, that we are struggling with the bad and ugly parts of life, that something needs to change if we want that different outcome. It can be difficult to adjust our mindset, our thinking, our human reactions. Look, we just want the bad stuff to go away. We just want life to go back to the way it was before we found ourselves in this bad and ugly part of life. And I think back to the, the Israelites where when they left Egypt, they escaped Egyptian slavery. And the Israelites saw the miraculous, the parting of the Red Seas, the pillar of cloud by day and um, fire by night to guide them to the promised land. But when things got tough, when their bellies started to rumble, they remembered how life was back in captivity and the food they had to eat. They lost sight of the promised land. They yearned for the memories of slavery over the promise of freedom to come. And our mindset in our Christian journey is we need to focus on what is ahead, what, we, what the end goal is and not what we left behind. Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, being perfect and Christ-like. But one thing I do, one thing I do is forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal, the, win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The end result of our renewed minds, church, is to be Christ-like our focus, our attention, our direction should be on Christ. 
our minds fixed on that heavenward goal to lay all before God, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But it is difficult. I'll be honest, it is difficult to keep our focus on what is to come when we are caught up in the problems of today. The bad and ugly situations of life can have a greater influence on our thinking than the promise that's yet to come. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm trying to say here. I was doing some digging into the facts about Dundee, this very city that this church is in, that many of us live in. And I was looking at some of the, the bad and ugly facts and the good facts about Dundee. To put it in perspective, let me just give you um, an indication of the size of Dundee. It has a population of 148,000. Glasgow, 600,000. Edinburgh, 500,000. Aberdeen, closer to 220,000. But despite its smaller population, Dundee punches way above its weight in many, many areas. The good about Dundee, we've all seen this regeneration program in Dundee, this incredible waterfront development. Dundee has the most active regeneration program in Scotland, third across the UK behind the Olympic Games and Wembley Stadium. This regeneration program is pushing up house prices because people want to live here now. And Dundee hosts the first design museum outside London, creating the only hub of, for, uh, for culture and design in Scotland. Scotland, uh, Dundee is the most innovative city in Scotland for science and technology, creating games, iconic games like Lemmings and Grand Theft Auto. And it was even reported in the Wall Street Journal that Dundee is the coolest city in Scotland. And it was even in the top 10 of places to go to globally to visit was Dundee. It is incredible. I won't mention the football teams incidentally. But of course, it's not all good news. We live in an imperfect, broken world. And here too, Dundee punches its, above its weight for the bad and for the ugly. Dundee is the second highest place for murders in Scotland. Dundee has the top place for sex crimes in Scotland. It has the, rate, the highest rate of suicide in Scotland, the highest abortion rates, the highest mental health issues, the highest child poverty in Scotland. So if we can personally relate to these facts, if we know people that can personally relate to these facts, no matter how rosy the press describe the future of Dundee, the fact still remains that we'll struggle to see beyond our current circumstances. And as Sai started when he preached, when he, um, uh, when he was uh, cheering and he was talking about praying for Dundee, it's so important that we pray for this city. It is so important because praying for this city, praying for this nation, because although facts may be facts and stats may be stats, it doesn't mean they cannot be changed. Of course they can be changed because with God, God can take what we think is impossible and make all things possible. But we need to have a renewed mind to, to change our thinking, to lay it all before God, to have a mindset and believe that change is possible. I'm gonna give you three examples of three individuals where the facts were stacked against them and where they chose to change their mindset by not conforming to the negative facts of their situation. Can I have the first slide, please? 
So, this individual needs no introduction. Of course, this is Mr. Bear Grylls, one of my personal favorites. He is an ex-SEA soldier, famous for his TV shows, adventure shows, survivalist shows, infamous for drinking wee as a survivalist tip. He heads up the uh, scouts in the UK, is involved in Alpha, and he's a man of strong Christian faith. But when he was 22 years old, he was in a parachute jump, free fall parachute jump, and his parachute got tangled up, and he hit the ground hard, and he broke his spine in three places. And he was taken to hospital, and as he's lying in that hospital bed in traction, the somber doctors would come in and say, Mr. Grills, the fact is, you've broken your back in three places. The fact is, Mr. Grills, your life will never be the same again. The fact is, Mr. Grills, you might actually never walk again. But within two years of that accident, he was standing on the summit of Mount Everest. His purpose, his belief was greater than the circumstances that held him to that bed. Despite the facts, he changed mindsets. Over the next slide, please. So for the younger generation, you might not recognize this individual. It is in black and white as well. So this is Roger Bannister, Sir Roger Bannister. And he was famous for, on the 6th of May, 1954, he was the first recorded individual to break through the four-minute mile, pulling in a time of three minutes, 58 seconds. It was a hugely significant milestone. He was later knighted in 1975 for this singular achievement. It was such an achievement because the medical professions at the time said this was impossible, that the human body was incapable of running at speeds to break through the four-minute mile. It was impossible, so why even try? Such, such, so much so, it was even written in one of the medical journals. Let me just read this very small extract. So he says, what ha so what happened to the physical barrier that prevented humans from running the four-minute mile? Was it a sudden leap in human evolution? No, it was the change in thinking that made the difference. Bannister had shown that breaking the four-minute mile was possible. And now we have, today we have over one and a half thousand people officially broken through that four-minute mile. Bannister was a man who could see what was possible when others said it was impossible. Go to the next slide, please. And this individual, nobody will know except Paul, Andrew, and Jeff, who have already spoken about this. This is guy, his name is Cliff Young, and he was born in Australia in 1922, and he grew up on a sheep farm, living on a sheep farm. And they had very little money, so there was no motorbikes or horses to herd up the sheep. You just have to run after them and herd them around. There's nothing really special about this individual, except when he reached the age of 61, when most of us would be putting on our slippers or cardigans, sitting in front of the fire, he decided to enter into the Australian Ultra Marathon, widely regarded as one of the toughest sporting events in the world, which consisted of running from Sydney to Melbourne, 544 miles. His family, his friends thought he was absolutely crazy. Cliff, they would say, 
What are you doing? The fact is, Cliff, you've got no experience. The fact is, Cliff, you've got no training. You are just a sheep farmer. And never mind that, you are 61 years old. You cannot possibly do this. But he decides to do it. And on the day of the actual race, he doesn't know what to expect. He turns up with his worky overalls, his worky boots, with his number on his chest. And uh, he sees all the professional runnings with their tight lycra and their technology and their rigid diets and the strict routines of what they're going to do. And the race starts and the professionals soar ahead and he just plods on and plods on. What he didn't realize, he didn't understand that uh, all the professional runners had a gentleman's agreement that they would stop for six hours and sleep every day. He didn't realize this. He just kept plodding kept running, kept plodding, and he would take some food and water from the various support teams as he kept going. And it was a miraculous thing that he actually finished the race. He completed the race, but he not only just completed the race, he won the race. (laughs) He managed to complete the race in five hours, 15, sorry, five days, 15 hours, and four minutes, wiping two days off the previous record. An incredible feat. He was limited by people's opinions, by people's facts. He changed mindsets because that race today is run the same way that Cliff Young ran it. They don't sleep. He changed mindsets. So we might not be super athletes. We might not have the same background as these individuals. But as we continue our Christian journey, that no matter what we are going through, we need to change our mindset and believe that God has our best interests in in mind and to lay it all before God. Because it says in Romans 8, 28, as we know that in all things, God works for the good, those who love him. And what if we are in a good place? What if we are good? How are we meant to think? How are, what's our mindset meant to be like to others who are not in such a good place? I was, the drama that was on last week with the, uh, the two Americans that did the Good Samaritan, it was really, really cool. Really, really enjoyed it. And it inspired me to go back and read a little bit about the Good Samaritan. Dig into a bit more of the background to the story as well. See, if you do deeper in the words, you learn how to do that background stuff. Thanks, Ian. Um, there was one point that jumped out to me when I was reading this story again. And that was the pharisaical mindset was to applaud the behavior of the Levite and the priest for walking past that man lying, bleeding, um, naked, beaten up at the side of the road. You see, it was the right thing to do in their mind to avoid the injured man just in case he was dead or worse still, was not a Jew. You see, if they had touched that individual and he wasn't a Jew and and if he was dead, the risk was under the law, they would be deemed unclean and it would be a long and inconvenient process to become clean again, temporarily losing their ability to gather tithes and offerings as well as the humiliation that would be associated with it. And if I'm completely honest, sometimes my thinking is maybe I'm more like the Levite and the priest. Sometimes I don't want to take the risk. It's a little bit too 
inconvenient sometimes. I remember when I was hosting, must have been about a month ago, and that was at the, uh, the service had finished, it was the back of the church, ready to close the doors. I was hungry, looking forward to getting home for some lunch. It was raining outside, I thought, ah, oh, I can't get out for a run or a cycle this afternoon. And just as I was closing these doors, two homeless men turned up with sleeping bags and tow. I thought, all right, okay. And uh, they said, can we have a hot cup of tea? It was with Andrew Simpson, who spoke to them while I went down and got a couple of hot teas and a couple of pastries and gave them to these guys. And I've never seen anybody drink tea so slowly in all my life. Honestly, it just was on for, for it felt like months. <laughs> all I could think about was I want to just get home to my warm, dry house and a nice hot bowl of soup. And all these guys wanted was hot cup of tea, time out in the rain, and some conversation. And it's a small example, but it's kind of bothered me a little bit because I thought, what more could I have done? What more should I have done? Because I know my Jesus would have done more. My Jesus would have gone the extra mile for those guys. In fact, my Jesus died for those guys. So I need to change my mindset. I need to change my thinking to be more like the good Samaritan, even when it's inconvenient for me to do so. I'm going to change gears a little bit here. I'm going to ask the band, if you don't mind, guys, coming back up and just starting playing, because I want us to finish on worship. So this final point and a small story as well, ladies and gentlemen. The Good Samaritan story is about somebody helping another individual. It's about helping that person who's less fortunate than you are. But what if you are that person who's broken and beaten up, lying at the side of the road? How are we meant to think if you are that individual? What should our mindset be like? See, I do believe that God is more interested in changing our mindsets than changing our circumstances. And often, a change to our circumstances will follow a change to our mindsets. It says in Proverbs 4.23, be careful how you think. Your life is changed by your thoughts. So it isn't our feelings that shape our life. It is our beliefs and thoughts. And the danger is what consumes our thoughts controls our life. And it is so easy to become so consumed by our own problems, by the bad and ugly facts of life, that we become paralyzed in our, in our, in our ability to live life as God intended, to live life full as God intended. And if that, if that is us, if we feel that we are consumed by the bad and ugly facts of life, we might shuffle into church with the weight of the world on our shoulders, might be marital issues, relationship issues, financial issues, work issues, health issues, whatever it is. And we might shuffle out of church just the same way we came in. And you don't feel change in your life. And you might look around during worship and you'll see people dancing. You'll see people caught up in worship. You'll see people kneeling and you feel so far away from what they've got and where you are. You might feel slightly envious of what they have and what you don't have. But I do believe we can change our thinking. 
our mindsets by taking a step of faith, by even following the actions of others. Let me give you a little example of what I mean. I was watching on YouTube the other week, a pastor, an American pastor who's big into his hunting. And he talks about a story when he'd be going hunting in the, the grasslands looking for partridge or pheasant, whatever it is. And he'd be looking for uh, these, these uh, birds for his evening dinner. And he'd have two very well-trained dogs that would go out in front of him. And these dogs would be sniffing for the scent of the birds that they were hunting. And when one of the two dogs catches the scent of the bird, it would stop and it would point directly to where the scent was coming from. I couldn't see it because of the long grass, but I could smell the scent. The second dog, a little further away, hasn't caught the scent, but sees the behavior of the first dog, and it too stops and points to where it thinks the first dog is pointing to. And that behavior is called honoring the point. And when that breeze changes, when the wind changes and that, that same scent is carried to the second dog and that second dog catches that same scent, it can readjust its position, recalibrate where it's pointing and point directly to where that scent is coming from. So if you feel in this church that the bad and ugly facts of life are getting on top of you, look around around the actions of others who are caught up in worship, those that are dancing, those that are kneeling, those that have caught the scent of heaven. And if we can take that step of action and follow the lead and just honor the point until we too catch that same scent that they have got. And then we can recalibrate our position. We can change our posture towards God. We can change our mindsets from my problems to His glory. Honor the point. So, I started in Romans. I'm going to finish in Romans. Romans 12.1 says, Lay down your whole lives before God. That is good, the bad, and the ugly. And this is our true and proper worship. So as the band starts to play, I want to just take this opportunity to, to uh, get, just get into a bit of worship time and just to focus on God, not focus on what's going on in our minds. All the troubles that's happening, all the confusion, all the problems of life, just focus on God, fix our attention on God and to submit to God all that we are and all that we have whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's ugly just submit all of it to God to surrender it to God because He knows what's best for us and I pray if you are in that situation this morning, if you are struggling, if you really are struggling, that you will look around, you will see those dancing, those caught up in worship. And just follow the lead until you too catch that same scent of heaven and your mind.
mind will be changed. Pray for that in Jesus' name. Thanks, man. This is the end of your teaching for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. 